0: 100.7 FM WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program each Sunday at 10 AM. Sumner County Spotlight, exclusively by FNM Bank. Two twenty one Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville, FNM Bank offers personal banking, business banking, and mortgage loans too, right here in Hendersonville. FNM Bank is one of the top independent banks in Tennessee. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. MMLS number five one eight one five eight. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlights, Tony Richards.
1: Good morning, and welcome to Sumner County Spotlight. I'm your host Tony Richards. Another Sunday morning, and we are uh, in our Hendersonville studios at the streets of Indian Lake. And uh, Sumner County Spotlight brought to you by F&M Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard. Also, you can check them out at myfmbank.com. And uh, it's hard to believe we've been we've had this show on for several months, and we have not had a songwriter on. <laughs> but you know, first times it's time for everything, right? So we're uh, we're very excited this morning to have Jerry Sally in uh, with us. He's a songwriter, performer, singer. Um, Jerry, welcome to the program.
2: Thank you, Tony. It's great to be here.
1: Yeah. So you've got quite an interesting background. Why don't we uh, just talk a little bit about maybe where you're from and how you got into this crazy, crazy world of songwriting and music and <laughs> yeah. the this, this stuff we all love, but it's crazy. It is
2: crazy. Um, and everybody's story seems to be a little bit different, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I... Um, I was raised in a musical family. My dad played banjo, so I was obviously uh, exposed to bluegrass music, gospel, and country. We loved traditional country music when I was growing up. And where was and that? I grew up in a little town called Chillicothe, Ohio, oh, yeah. in, in rural Very Ohio. Familiar. Yeah. So as I was growing up, of course, I started performing when I was 10 years old, and I knew at a young age that I wanted to pursue music as a dream. I wanted to be a performer, and I wanted to be a songwriter as a young kid. And um, so I knew that as at a, at a young age. But as I got older, um, we decided I should go to college to have something to, quote, fall back on. You know how that goes? Yeah, I sure and, do. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I got a degree from Ohio University in business and then moved here within several weeks, just six weeks of graduating, I moved to Nashville. Because you knew that, that's
1: exactly what you were going to do. It's
2: exactly what I wanted to do. And I, when did you
1: know this? How old Well, I was 10
2: years old when I started performing. and <sighs> started writing songs when I was 16. But I, started, I cut my first record in Nashville when I was 18. That's and amazing. so all through college I was in the music business to a degree but not to the degree I was, you know, when I moved here. Mm-hmm. But right after I moved here, I got a job at a place called Opryland USA, which was a theme yeah. park here for years and I got to perform in shows and got paid to, to sing and dance and play, you know.
1: Man, wouldn't it so be nice to have that again? It's <laughs> it just, would be it's I just admit- such groundbreaking stuff for all the new artists coming in and oh. it just really gave you a you know, it's not like it is now where they just no. put their stuff on their websites or they're streaming it or whatever. No, know.
2: it uh, it was an incredible, great training ground for so many people. Um, I was I played Flat and Scruggs with a guy named Steve Chapman, and we wrote his first hits. He became Stephen Curtis Chapman. Mm-hmm. Um, Marty Rowe, the lead singer for uh, Diamond Rio, we were in. The, he was in our cast. Almost everybody in our cast went on to make a living in the music business. Isn't that amazing? It it it, it's, it is. When I look back on it, it was well, just an plus incredible. it wasn't opportunity.
1: just that. It was this sort of this camaraderie. You Knew each other Exactly. You know, here you can like do entire, uh, you could have an entire career in your bedroom and not even go outside because you can produce everything. You can use pro tools and right. you're, you know, you're in, right. but if you're not out there shaking hands and making relationships
2: it's all about relationships it really yeah. is um, some people I it's, used to, it's
1: nice to hear that that's still the case
2: <laughs> yeah and it it is it really is it's still it's still about that I, I taught uh, for a couple of years I taught as an adjunct professor I taught music publishing at Belmont mm-hmm. and I would tell the kids you know people they would say well it's politics and I said well some people call it politics. I prefer to call it relationships, and that's yeah. really what it is. That's what business is. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and, that does, and that applies to any business you might want to get into.
1: Yeah. it's a, You get a degree in the music business, not in the music relationships. Exactly. <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> exactly. You know? That's exactly right. <laughs>
2: But anyway, uh, long story short, I uh, while I was at Opulant, I started knocking on doors, got a publishing deal, started having songs recorded in, in bluegrass and gospel, and then I had a country, my first country hit was in 1989, and I've been blessed now to have over 500 different songs recorded Man. by everyone from Melton John to Reba McIntyre, Toby Keith, Brad Paisley, Chris Stapleton.
1: Well, that's so amazing. So how do you, you know, for the people that don't know uh, how the specifics of it works, okay, ex- explain getting a publishing deal, because that, that comes first not necessarily though but not necessarily in
2: your case but in my case in my case i really had to work hard and and uh Prove to them that i was worthy of a publishing deal mm-hmm. um things are a whole lot different today than they were when i moved to town it was a lot easier to knock on doors and get appointments yeah. today you know you got to buzz in and if, if no one knows you're coming you're not even going to get in the door right. uh, which is a shame um, it is a shame
1: you know because music row is so much different our other studios uh we have another radio station in nashville yes and it's on music row and just in the last five years yeah. it's changed i mean it used to be just folks walking around with guitars and CDs, and now it's people walking their dogs and yeah. <laughs> trying not to hit scooters. And it's it, Music Row is just not at all what it was, no. sadly, in, in many ways. Yeah, that's correct. I, my opinion. It's
2: become uh, – I heard a guy, uh, an old songwriter there, they call it Condo Row now. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's just the way life is, I guess, but it, I do miss the way, and I'm very grateful – that I came to town when I did because yeah. I got to know a lot of my heroes, you know, and meet them and get to be friends with them like the Harlan Howards and the Tom T. Halls. And it it was just a great time to be here uh, and for the country music when I was here. And it, it's still a great time to be here. I don't want that to people to take that wrong. It's just different. It's just different. It's just different. Exactly, it's not, and,
1: and life goes on. But, yeah. you know... um you don't want to bulldoze over everything. No, that's true, uh, and yeah. I do think they're they're trying to put some restrictions on that down I'm, I'm, there. But it is a it's a yeah. bit of a train wreck uh, there, it, for a while there.
2: It, yeah, for sure. And I'm
1: I'm hopefully I'm, it'll settle yeah. into something that's like you said, different is okay. Yeah. But at least have some
2: semblance. Yeah. Of, of what it used not to
1: be. Uh, you know an iron curtain trying to get in the dang door. That's yeah. not helping anyone. I no, it's think.
2: it's it's just it's just changed a lot, and and I guess it's just a reflection of of our world in general, maybe, but. But anyway, that's kind of where I came along, and as I, as I uh, was blessed to have more success, um, I made a great living as a songwriter for a lot of years and still write full, pretty much full-time, but I own my own publishing now. I just write for myself, mm-hmm. and I'm able to write what I want, when I want, you know? Um, still write well, country, it's, still Well, it's write tough to write on
1: a schedule. I don't yeah. know if people understand. Yeah, it is. It <laughs> Go is write tough. a hit. Uh, okay. <laughs>
2: yeah. But for years, we would do that, you know? we'd yeah. We'd book. 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. We'd get in the room and we'd just beat our heads against the wall till we came up with something, you know.
1: Yep, yep. It's not <laughs> so, easy, especially if you're not, um, you know, inspired by the one working with you. That, that, that's exactly <laughs> and right. And sometimes if you don't I, get to choose. Is that correct? I well, mean, well, would, the, wouldn't they pe- just kind of? Oh, exactly. this guy's really good at fiddle, and this guy's really good at banjo, or whatever. Yeah. And they just say, "Hey, let's." A let's- lot of
2: times, publishing companies will set up co-writes for their writers. They'll 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 reach out to other publishers they know, and they'll they'll say, "Hey, this guy, like." For instance, I did lyric and music, but if you have a writer that's mainly lyric, you might call another publisher, hey, do you have just a musician that doesn't really write lyrics? We'll get them together to co-write. So right. that does happen quite a bit. But I will tell you that... But there's the,
1: some unexpected, wonderful things. Exactly. Too, and that's that's
2: my point. Yeah. Um, I've I've made lifelong relationships and friendships from those particular opportunities that the publisher gave me that I would have never had a
1: chance to meet those folks. Right. The forced so. contact can definitely come up with something. And, and then... Uh, is, are, were there cases where that happened and then you ended up writing more with them? Because, oh, wow, absolutely. we're like, absolutely. we're rocking. We're way better together than apart.
2: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, I have Several of my mentors uh, who have become lifelong friendships, um, we have written multiple, multiple songs and still write together today. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's been a great journey, an incredible journey.
1: Well, so now, do you live in Sumner County? Are yes, you, I've lived what, in Hendersonville
2: for long, long, for several, many, many years.
1: What, what made you come to Sumner County? Well, to be honest, even back did, in the day,
2: yeah. Well, I lived in the Madison Goodlitzville area when mm-hmm. I first moved to Nashville for a lot of years. But uh, there were two things that but a were, lot of artists did, right?
1: Really, I mean, just to get away from downtown. Exactly, they were either in Brentwood or up here. I it, was, exactly,
2: so. exactly. But the lake was one of the reasons. I was, I've always been a fisherman and loved the, being on the water. And I had young. Kids and I was trying to find the best schools that I could afford to be in, and mm-hmm. and even today, Sumner County has the, in my opinion, of course, mm-hmm. somebody from Williamson County will probably disagree with me, <laughs> but um, I think Sumner County has the greatest public schools available anywhere. Yeah, and uh, so we wanted to move close to in this in our particular situation, we wanted to move close to Indian Lake Schools because we had kids in elementary school and we had we knew it was a blue ribbon school, mm-hmm. and that uh, we knew there were a lot of parent involvement. You know, right. With, with exactly. And exactly. so that was really our main. Our kids were, you know, we like I said, we had three at the time now, and we ended up having four. But we moved here for the schools for our children. To be totally honest, was honestly. there
1: much around here when you did that? Indian Lakes a little different. Today, uh, it's a lot but. different. It's a
2: lot different. I wish I had. Uh, of course, back in the day, you could get a lot on the lake for like twenty five thousand dollars. Of course, that was a fortune to me at the time. But I look back now, and I'm like, I should have oh. begged, barred, and oh, stolen to get to do
1: that. You know. Now they're knocking down four hundred thousand dollar homes to put up it. something nicer. I'm like, really? <laughs> Jeez, it must be nice. It must be nice. How do
2: you afford to do that? It's crazy. But uh, but but the quality of life and the schools are really what drew us to this area, and I, I would never live anywhere else. I mean, and
1: you, and you didn't feel disconnected to music? Oh, absolutely not.
2: Absolutely not. I mean, it's still.
1: Sometimes they prefer. Hey, you know, let's just get out of town. Let's, and which you know, they would consider Hendersonville out of town at the time. But they did. I mean, yeah, that's exactly right. And there's, you, I mean,
2: to me, the the lake's inspiration to me, mm-hmm. and uh, we just, you know, we had a lot of. Uh, of ability to get out and just uh, experience the, the beautiful landscape around here, you know.
1: Okay. Well, we're coming up on our first break, Jerry, and uh, we'll come back and talk maybe a little bit more about your career then and, and some of your hits and, and some of the folks you've worked with, if that's okay. Thank you, Tony. All right. We are talking with Jerry Sally, a songwriter, performer, singer, Hendersonville resident, and we're going to come back more with Sumner County Spotlight, brought to you by f and Bank and MyFMBank.com, right after these messages.
0: Sumner County Spotlight, brought to you exclusively by F&M Bank, will return after these messages. F&M Bank, serving Middle Tennessee since 1906. Visit them at myfmbank.com. And now back to Sumner County Spotlights, brought to you each Sunday morning exclusively by FNM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard, Hendersonville. For all your banking needs, all in one place, member FDIC. Welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight, brought to you by M Bank at
1: myfmbank.com, and also at their location in Hendersonville, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard. And we're having a great conversation with Jerry, Sal- uh, Jerry Sally. And Jerry is a songwriter, a Hendersonville, we're going to call you a native, even though you're an Ohioan. That's okay. Uh, you've been here long enough. I've right? been
2: here a lot longer than I was in Ohio. Uh, he, he
1: came here when Music Row was Music Row. And, uh, and so let's kind of get into uh, your your career a little bit, and then I want to talk about Billy Blue and, and things like that. But sure. uh, why don't you tell us you know, your first experience of having a song on the radio? That's always kind oh, of a I cool don't. one for a songwriter.
2: Yeah, the, my first success as a writer was in the gospel music industry with uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman, mm-hmm. um, and he had a big song called Hiding Place that actually that song got him his record deal. And uh, that was nominated for a dove in the late 1980s. And then we wrote a song called His Strength is Perfect that will probably end up being one of the biggest songs I've ever written. In 2009, that particular song was put in the Baptist hymnal.
1: So here so. you are at the uh, <laughs> spry young age of – and here you are. You're cooking. 20s. Yeah.
2: yeah, you know? I, I've been very blessed, man, to keep it going. Uh, from that, I had my first country hit in 1989 with an all-girl group called Wild Rose. They had a mm-hmm. top 10 record. On a song I wrote with another uh, Sumner County uh, fellow named Carl Jackson. He, he's originally from Mississippi, but he's lived in uh, Sumner County most of his life. That's awesome. And uh, so, uh, and then from there, you know, people say, when I first came to town, they said, the first one's going to be the hardest to get. First, you know, first song records ever. And it, and it's true. Once you get one recorded, it never gets easy, easy, right. but it gets a little easier because you have something you can talk about. Well, he had a song recorded
1: by Stephen Curtis. Exactly. Maybe I should listen to his And song. having that portfolio built yeah. does get you into some more doors, I would assume. Absolutely. Because so-and-so knows so-and-so, oh, I played guitar on that. And it's interesting how it's not that big of a business. That's true.
2: That's true. Music Row uh, was the the smallest big town in the world, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because everybody knew everybody. Mm -hmm. And back in the day, I can remember some of my mentors. I'm talking about songs that I co-wrote that they didn't co-write on. They didn't own the publishing. They would go help me get songs recorded just because they thought this song needed to be heard. And you just don't, you know, we don't, I don't don't see as much of that as I as yeah. I used to, but uh, but anyway, I, once I had started having uh, getting country songs recorded, I had a, a big hit with John Anderson in the nineteen nineties called "I Fell in the Water You Walked On," mm-hmm. and um, it just kind of blossomed from there, you know. I've had several songs, couple songs cut by Reba McIntyre, um, mm-hmm. she's been very good to me. My last really big country hit was a song she recorded called, called "I'm Going to Take That Mountain," mm-hmm. and then as I mentioned earlier. Um, was crazy the way i was able to get a an elton john uh, cut
1: yeah um, not many songwriters get to say that it's especially a closest, since yeah. elton and bernie did most yeah of their bernie's stuff. got
2: the you know he owns that whole world you yeah. know pretty much well, he's
1: pretty good at it he's he is one <laughs> he is
2: absolutely one of the greatest ever
1: he could make I mean, songs out of things that i think were tough yeah he, i mean just hear some of those and yeah. you're like really
2: And and not just his lyrics man some of the greatest, iconic, memorable melodies ever written and ever will be written. He wrote them,
1: and here you are, <laughs> and now you are going to have Elton John. I mean, that just yeah. had to be. You know, was, I don't know if anybody in Nashville can say Elton John's cut one
2: of Well, it James was. Uh, he had helped this girl named Catherine Britt. Catherine was a very young Australian artist when Elton met her in Australia. Mm-hmm. Thought she was fabulous. Was ended up helping her get a, a song recorded in Nashville or a, a getting a record deal. Excuse me at RCA. And she told uh, Catherine and Joe Galani, who was running the label at the time, that if he would sign her and she would get this record deal, he would do a duet with her at some point. And he st- he was true to his word, and he ended up recording a song that she and I had co-written.
1: Now, were they still and, in Studio A, Studio B at the time, or did they? Uh, have well, they actually recorded. Studios? They
2: recorded her parts. Keith, uh, Keith Stegall produced that record, and he, I think he had a studio over in the Berry Hill area at the time. Okay, for her her side of things, and then they actually went to um, uh, to Atlanta. Were, were, uh, that was Horton's. back, folks,
1: when you had actual tape, and uh, well, in your case, yeah,
2: yep. <laughs> you know, it was it was starting to. You be, couldn't just
1: we, email it to Europe, to Europe and say, "Hey, could you cut your part?"
2: Right, and Elton said, "I'll be on this, but you need to come to me." And and we they right. used a studio there where he was just north of Atlanta there, and that's where they recorded the vocals. And uh, so,
1: what happens when you do something like that and you send it out and they say, "Well, you know that that wasn't what I had envisioned." Can we try it this way? Do it, or if you've thrown a ton of work into it, what do you do? Well, we get I mean, a, a little, a little of it. You, you have to kind of be at the artist. It, they have it in yeah, their head. If they're not into it, right. they're not going to sing it the way. Yeah,
2: they're you know. going to interpret it the way the yeah. way
1: they want. And to. And that's one of the blessings of being a songwriter. You know, I, I have a couple of buddies uh, we talked about, even Stevens, friend yeah. of ours. Yeah, um, he's thrilled when anybody does it, and and the different takes on the different songs. And I'm sure you've had the same experience. It's the
2: same thing. I mean, I, I. I really – just sitting here right now, I can't think off the top of my head of of anyone that's recorded my song where I went, oh, that's just not at all what I wanted. Most of the time, it's greater than I ever imagined.
1: You know, I I don't know if I've ever met people more grateful and humble than songwriters because they just appreciate – yeah, every artist and the way they do things yeah. for who they are and what they do. Yeah, I mean
2: it's a, a it's it's almost a miracle to have a hit. I mean, you have to have the mm-hmm. song recorded, which you know they usually consider tons of songs. So you got to be one of the ones that finally gets recorded. Then you have to make the record, even though you've been recorded, you may not make the record. If you make the record, then you have to get a single. And just because you have a single doesn't mean it's going to be a hit. I mean, just it's so to, crazy to have a big hit is and, a, and like a to, miracle.
1: And to Bet everything on it, yeah, is one thing. But if you're doing it for a hobby or doing it on the side, oh wow, I got lucky on that one. Versus, I need to eat.
2: Yeah, that's right. You know? And in my case, I needed to eat. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean,
1: the pressure's on. Yeah,
2: but it, but it's been a, it's been an incredible blessing. It's just, uh, um, gosh, if you had told me when I moved here that I would have an Elton John cut or that I would have hits with Reba, I mean, that was my dream. Um, And I thought it was always possible if I worked hard, you know, Mm -hmm. but um, it's just been more than I could have ever ever imagined.
1: Well, and there was quite a big nomination that I think you just got. So let's talk about that (laughs) a little bit. I mean, I know you don't want to brag about yourself, but these are important things.
2: I was uh, for the first time this year, I was nominated for the Nashville (laughs) Songwriters Hall of Fame. And it's uh, one of the greatest honors that I've ever just to be nominated. I mean, uh, I didn't get in this year. And that's perfectly fine because the people going in are absolutely worthy and incredible songwriters. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Well, you know was, you're among quite, them now. Well, I, I mean, was, just it like you really,
1: said, it w- they wouldn't have nominated you if you hadn't earned it.
2: Well, thank you. And just a couple weeks ago um, – because I do a lot of bluegrass these days, which has become the new country music for me. Um, I'm on that page. <laughs> <laughs> um, the IBMA, which is the International International Bluegrass Music Association, um, I was their 2019 Songwriter of the Year, and I was last year. So I was the first time first time anyone. So been how can you do that and be?
1: Uh, well, I'm not going to call you upward in years, but you're not 20. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I'm not. 20. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm there's not a there. lot
1: of songwriters that. Yeah. can do that well, even to this day you
2: know it's it's a passion it, it's
1: funny it's it's almost like sports they relegate you to you know baseball third base or first base right. because you happen to be 37 yeah in or gone yeah and i'm like well, wait a minute what's i have to do with anything yeah. i know so many artists you know hauling and oats and whoever yeah. cranking out great songs that nobody is hearing yeah.
2: well it's just i have a passion i mean i i believe god gave me a gift to be a songwriter and that's of all the things I've been a performer, been a producer, now running this record label. Um, when did you know
1: that? I would always feel like. When, when did you I, know When that? I was in
2: my teens, I knew I wanted to be a songwriter. I, I studied yeah. the, the lyrics. When I was a little kid, I would write out the lyrics to the Tom T Hall songs that I loved, I got and you. I would perform his songs on stage, yeah. and. The, I think the exercise of writing them out and looking at them and really studying and thinking, wow, that guy knows how to put a story together. You, you mean know?
1: like I like beer? And- yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That, <laughs> that's I, a simple yeah, one, but it works. Yeah.
2: Well, I was singing. The, I remember the year Clayton Delaney died. And yeah, stuff like yeah, that. a great song. But uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I know it sounds weird, but I knew as a teenager that I wanted to be in in music and write it, songs it is and interesting perform.
1: because, and I think people go through those different things where you know they start out as songwriters. I know one. Now, who's maybe upper 40s, early 50s, that's trying to be the artist thing. And he thought for years I wouldn't be, and now yeah. he's trying that. I don't know if that'll work. Yeah, maybe yeah. it will. Who knows? I was,
2: I was 47 when I cut my first solo record ever, and it was a bluegrass no way. record. Yeah, called New Songs, Old Friends, and I had Vince sang on it with me, Doyle Lawson, uh, Del McCurry, the Oak Ridge Boys. Isn't Adler it nice were. that
1: you can sort of pick up the phone now and do, make
2: those calls? It's, it's, I mean, it's really. incredible. It's incredible. And it's that
1: is one of the biggest blessings. Yeah. It's
2: it's just like I said it's it's just a I mean I've just, I'm living my dream. I yeah, really you haven't. don't
1: get the Jerry who. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, Jerry, well, now, Jerry. What's well, there's up? some people on the road
2: that treat me like a dinosaur that uh, yeah. that don't know that anything would be a mistake. About, that would you know,
1: but that's just how it is. Yeah, yeah, that's just part of the business. Well, let's talk about Billy Blue Records and um, you know. Uh, A lot of people we were talking earlier might not even know it's around, and and,
2: uh, here it is. That's right. Um, A couple of years ago, I was talking to my great friend, Ed Leonard. Ed uh, is the president of Daywind Records, which has been in Hendersonville for 30 years. Uh, Ed's mother, Dottie Leonard Miller, uh, started Daywind. She started New Day Christian uh, Distributors, is what she started first. Mm -hmm. Started out of her garage. And was so successful selling other people's product that she thought, well, why don't we start our own record label? So then she started Daywind Records. And as Ed got older and and became more involved in the music business, he became president of the of the record side of things. And uh, several years ago, when I was writing for EMI, I had. I had was able to put together a, a songwriting deal with them, that only included my secular country stuff. Mm-hmm. I was able to keep my gospel stuff out of that. So I did a publishing deal, a separate publishing deal with Daywind and Ed and and Dotty, and we had a great relationship there. I was two, there two or three years, and um, got to know them as people and knew what kind of people they were and what kind of business they ran, what kind of. How they treated people. Mm-hmm. And so I've always been admired them and been friends with them ever since then. So, and I've been producing more and more bluegrass and, and real traditional country acts. I also produce a group called the Steel Blossoms, who are an Americana act. Mm-hmm. They're really starting now, did, to play.
1: Was that kind of natural to you, or did you always sort no. of have that? Because, there's a lot to learn if you don't know a yeah. lot about bluegrass. Yeah,
2: I've I've always wanted to produce, and because uh, I love creating. I mean, I and, I, and when you do a produ- when you're a producer too, you have to take your songwriter hat off. I mean, you pitch your songs, but you take your songwriter hat off, and you find the absolute best, greatest songs, no matter who wrote them for your artist. I mean, that's crucial to be a good producer. I think. Okay. But uh, but anyway, a lot of these folks were independent artists, and uh, they were they were always saying, "Well, I wish you had a record day. I wish you had a record label." Well, one day I just literally just woke up one morning and. told my wife I said I got a great idea she said what's that I said I'm gonna call Ed Leonard and see if he would be interested in starting a bluegrass label so we we met here in Hendersonville had lunch and I said have you ever thought about starting a bluegrass label and he said I think about it all the time but I just don't know who could run it or you know know that much about that genre
1: are there a lot of of them in that uh, arena is there a lot of competition or is there
2: there there's competition for sure becoming Um, more and more I'll I'll be totally frank and I'm just gonna say it out loud uh there are there are three or four great labels then there's everybody else, mm-hmm. and we need more great labels. Gotcha. You know, the, as the, the, because the genre is growing, um, and and, they, and I mean bluegrass bleeds into the Americana market as well. And, mm-hmm. and like like I said earlier, it's it, it has become the new the new country music, really, in a lot of ways. But as it's growing, we need more good record labels who who mm-hmm. and I'm coming from the artist and songwriter perspective. I mean to me it well, all starts you're gonna, with a song. you're gonna
1: have a lot more experience with somebody who's been around thirty years than somebody who's just, you know, rented a space on Music Row and yeah. trying to you know, which hey, entrepreneurs, great. But it's not easy.
2: No, it's not. And I had I had started a label called Very Jerry Records, and, and these records I was telling you about that I didn't do till I was older, mm-hmm. I was putting them out on my own label, and I became friends with all the radio folks, all the all the charting station guys. It's a lot. And of work. so I just I just know I just know everybody pretty much, and uh, have a great relationship with everybody, and so I felt confident that we could be successful. Never dreamed we would be su- as successful as we have. How been.
1: long ago did you uh, present well, that idea? We
2: are fifteen months old and at the IBMA awards in Raleigh 2 weeks ago we had 10 nominations we wow. only have we only had we had only put out 3 records
1: well, at that well that point. will throw you up into yeah. that category pretty quickly yeah. if you can keep that kind of momentum going
2: right and we had, we signed Appalachian Roadshow was our first act um, and they were up for two nominations. We signed Joe Mullins and Radio Ramblers, who were the Entertainers of the Year last week at IBMA. Wow. We have the Entertainers of the Year on our record there label. There
1: you go. And guess what that and, will do? It'll continue to help you grow exactly. more people. Oh, your phone's probably starting to ring a little. Well,
2: uh, it's, it's uh, yeah. We had a big meeting this morning about all the people who have reached out and said, would you like to talk to us
1: about a record deal? And you're doing A&R for them now? I do or? A&R,
2: and, I, and I'm the A&R director and the creative director. Okay. And we've signed Doyle Lawson and Quicksilver. And Doyle Lawson is – I mean he's a legend. He's in the bluegrass music hall of fame. Uh, does the Opry uh, a lot. Um, he, he's a legend. He's just a legend. That's and awesome. so we we have really feel like we're off to a great start and, and uh, we've worked hard, you know. We we were going to keep it small. I Only want about 6 or 8 artists at the most. Mm-hmm. And uh, are
1: the bluegrass labels that are considered the bigger ones, are they are any of them in Nashville?
2: Um, there's two in Nashville now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rounder Records was in Massachusetts for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they were recently bought by Concord, and Concord moved their Rounder offices to Nashville. So they're currently here. Then there's one other in Nashville called um, – oh gosh, I'm not going to think of it here on radio um, – I know them very well. Uh, Allison Brown owns the label. She and her husband Gary. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Compass Records. Mm-hmm. Compass Records. Yeah. So we are we are one of only three bluegrass labels in Nashville, believe it or not. Uh, and so uh, actually, Billy, Rural Rhythm moved here too recently. So. Okay.
1: And then Billy Blue. I mean, I've been hearing, and you know, it depends who you talk to. Uh, if you're a little more of a traditionalist like myself, or maybe you, um, that vinyl is. Outselling digital again. That's correct. So I'm assuming there's some uh, a little different department that ra- uh, labels haven't had in a while, and that's getting stuff printed.
2: That's right. Correct. We're actually we're actually doing vinyl. Yeah. Uh, so far, the only vinyl we've we've uh, manufactured was for the Steel Blossoms Our Americana Act, but they've sold out of their vinyl. I mean, it's it's amazing. You know. Um, and I know how important streaming is, and I, and I understand how where this is going eventually. But we still, especially in the bluegrass, uh, and because we have people, there our, our artists are out doing 150, 200 shows a year. Yep, Folks would like to have a souvenir when they leave. Absolutely. Leave back and they want to talk to the artist. They want something autographed. And it's amazing. We still, a lot of our sales are still physical sales, and mm-hmm. vinyl has become an incredibly important
1: part of that. Well, and it's nice to see that again, you know, because it's it's just like whether your kid goes to school and just has an iPad or they're actually carrying books. Yeah. Um, That doesn't mean one is worse than the other. But, you know, you're still a human being and some people still need to touch their newspaper or they need to touch a print piece or they need to have vinyl. And there's nothing wrong with that. No. Uh, Especially for something that basically completely disappeared and now it's making a comeback yeah. as a matter of fact i think aren't they starting to press them here i mean yes back in the day oh, yeah. when you and i were around it was all being printed in cincinnati yeah queen city records or whatever it was just That's cranking right. these and now they've fired up these old machines again and yep. it's awesome if you've never had a chance to see it
2: yeah it's incredible and for somebody like me I mean, I want to know. I want to see who the songwriters were. Yeah. I want to see who played. I want to know who played steel guitar on that cut. People are who still played into on that, that
1: stuff. I, I mean, it's, and, and, it's and most people It's not the are. same looking at a website. It's you. not. It's and just and what not. about all the artist, artistry that went into it? That's and right. The label itself, and
2: that's right. The creative part. Of, you know, everything from the graphics that go into that.
1: Um, I mean, gosh. I think people, if they knew that you hear in pictures, because that's, right. that's what we do for a living. And if you're sitting out in the lake, yeah, at your home, yeah. And you're envisioning uh, a title for your album. You're thinking of what it looks like, Absolutely. right? Not just what Absolutely. it sounds like.
2: Absolutely, everything. That, that's a great way to put it, Tony. It's it's a visual. It's as visual as it is sonic.
1: I I, I very I, I'm telling you, most songwriters are also artists. Uh, even our buddy, C- yeah. common friend, is the same way. He's yeah. he's painted so many things. I'm like, dude, where are you getting this? <laughs> you know, but it's like you know they could do their own album covers. Yeah. I mean,
2: well, I just think um, it's it's that creative gift whether you're writer, graphic artist, mm-hmm, uh, liner yep. note people. I mean, I've some of the greatest oh, liner notes from some, some of the best writers, not songwriters necessarily, but just writers.
1: If you're into a group or a band or or a, a, an artist, you're going to want to know more. That's right. That's exactly right. And there's more to it than just a website, because even though that's great and it's good in information, the relationship, as we were talking about earlier, is a big part of what you do for a living, right? Absolutely. You're creating a relationship with someone you don't know through a song that you wrote. That's exactly
2: right. That's a great way to put it.
1: And how many folks have just come – I mean, is that the best compliment you ever get when you're absolutely,
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. You're at church or you're somewhere and somebody pulls you aside, hey – (laughs) <laughs> that song da 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 you've yeah. probably heard more stories i have
2: i have received letters from people because uh, i mean i i just write the song i just hold the pen um i've had incredible letters from people whose lives have been changed by certain song. of course that's that's god that's not jerry sally by any mm-hmm. means but it's incredible that's why i say i feel like i might have a gift uh, from uh, greater than I'll ever be, because of the of the kinds of, of uh, uh, different letters and, and uh, comments that I've received over the years. I mean, it's, it's it's why it reminds me of why I do what I do.
1: Well, Jerry, we're getting uh, to the end of our segment here. But why don't you, if, if somebody needs to get a hold of you or somebody has some questions, whether it's about bluegrass or just the music business or songwriting business in general, how would they contact you? Well,
2: the best way to contact me would either be through the Billy Blue website. It's www.billybluerecords.com. Or I have my own personal website, www.jerrysalley.com. That's J-E-R-R-Y-S-A-L-L-E-Y. Dot com and uh, I still perform about 50 60 shows a year so my my uh, uh, appearance schedule is on there along with uh, news about new songs that I've had recorded by other folks and and new records that I'm working on and that sort of thing
1: uh, and one last question now that you you've got these relationships and not that you can always have lots and lots more but How do your songs get in front of folks? Do you still have to push it a bit, or or are you relying still on some of those relationships? Well, I I
2: rely on the relationships, but I'm a lot of – especially in bluegrass To get something in front of someone, for example. These days, normally the gospel and bluegrass artists will reach out to me and say, hey, I'm looking for songs. A buddy of mine that produces – he's producing the new Joe Nichols projects, and I had a a song on Joe's first album. Mm -hmm. And he said, man, if you have anything new, you know, please send it to me. So a lot of times folks will reach out. I, I keep my ear to the ground, you know trying to find out who's recording when and yeah. and uh, so I'm always slinging songs man cool. and I'm writing at least a couple days a week still
1: amazing alright Jerry thanks so much it was really educational and fun and, and uh, good to get to know you
2: well thank you Tony I appreciate you and I appreciate WHIN and everything you guys are doing in Sumner County
1: well thank you sir and we appreciate beyond. it ok <laughs> and we're going to come back with more of the show Sumner County Spotlight brought to you by FNM Bank at myfmbank.com and 221 Indian Lane Boulevard in Hendersonville right after
0: these messages FNM is proud to be the exclusive sponsor of Sumner County Spotlight. We'll return with more of the show following these messages. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlight. Since 1906, f Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com.
1: Good morning, and welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight this morning, brought to you by f Bank at myfmbank.com and also at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard. And our second guest this morning is an international superstar. <laughs>
3: <Who> <laughs> In started, my mind. <laughs> who started
1: right here from Janet's Planet. It's Janet, Ivy, Ivy and Janet. Uh, it's really cool to have you on the show.
3: Thank you so much for having me. So, Janet's Planet.
1: Organically created, and here you are, how many years later?
3: 19 years later. And really, when I think about the genesis of it, it started 27 years ago when out of Belmont College, I land a job at Opryland. But they call and go, well, we've got this show that's got a big costume character and a puppet, and you'll be performing with kids. And I was like, hey, okay. I'm a performer. It's a summer job. Why not? Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that when I walked... Into that rehearsal space in 1992, I thought, oh, "I'm home." Aww. And really and truthfully, I can go back to that moment and go, "That's the that's when I knew." I thought, "This is the sweet spot." Even though the, that my degrees in music and theater, performing with and for kids, mm-hmm. was just magic and i loved it and apparently they seemed to think that i was just another kid along with them so my inner 10 year old was really happy and it was during that time i was with the park through 1997 when it closed and i realized probably in the middle of that jaunt that no matter how much i loved the opryland kids club Mm -hmm. that it wasn't mine and what could i create right so people had always called me Interplanet Janet. She's a galaxy girl <laughs> from Schoolhouse Rock, uh-huh. but I couldn't use that. That was already taken. And really dumb luck. My story has a lot of dumb luck. And, That's okay. Uh, Some you, of the
1: greatest things in the world are that.
3: Yeah. And, uh, so how much
1: time in between there and when it actually got created?
3: So really between like 1996 when a dad of a kid that performed with me says, well, just, just buy the trademark for Janet's planet. See if anybody's got that. Nobody had it. So I was like, Good applied move. for the trademark and applied for the service mark. Didn't really know what I was going to do. So 1997, the parks close I get a call from a producer at Nashville Public Television. I'm producing this IBTV series with kids and I can't find it. We've auditioned. I, I hear that you work with some really talented kids. I was like, how many do you need? <laughs> so I sent five of my best. She ended up hiring all five. Wow. And Sana Joe goes, I need to know you. So from 97, starting 97, 98, she started hiring me to do things at public television. She opened the door for me Did to Did you say, kind of
1: always have it in your head when that was happening? I'm going to do this at some point.
3: What I had in my or head... Or were you waiting
1: for the right moment?
3: <laughs> no, I, I. there was no way I had that much planning. It's like, I it's like I, no, I will not be writing the book of this is how you <laughs> go after your dream when you don't really know that it is your dream. Um I looked around when I got the trademark for Janet's Planet and thought what am I going to do and it's like well as much as I love music I also loved a little bit older kid and connecting with that Mm -hmm. sort of seven eight nine ten year old that that was my sweet spot. Where they can start
1: to get it. Yeah Yeah. it's like
3: and that I think really that was that was generally the age of the kids that I performed with so Mm -hmm. somewhere probably even seven to twelve and I thought they're They're cognitive, like we can talk about things. And I thought, what goes along with that? So I looked around, and the only people doing science were Bill Nye the Science Guy Mm -hmm. and Beekman's World. And Beekman kind of had a girl sidekick, but she was like, really, Beekman? And I thought, wait a minute. Yeah, and it was
1: sort of really quick shots, edgy Funky, uh, he had these weird voices he would just kind of do. And it was, you know, it was entertaining. It no was
3: entertaining question. and a little science. But
1: but pretty intense. It was kind of like a 30-minute freak ride. Because um, <laughs> <It> <was. laughs> I watched enough for my kids watching. know, it was cool. But it got... It, it could get exhausting, I it think, for a get, kid.
3: Yeah. And Don't I thought...
1: I, not to throw any stones, but...
3: No, it's like... For me, it was the, it was the difference between the, the, the science of Bill Nye and Beekman's world. But when I looked around, there weren't there what there was no female no. science
1: role model. And you know what? Let's just be honest. The rat was a little scary.
3: <laughs>
0: the <laughs> so,
1: dude in the beard and the rat suit was like,
3: I'm not sure this is good for kids. <laughs> right? We prob- they probably couldn't get that aired today. But I don't know. I just thought, a woman in science, Janet's Planet space is inspiring, but we'll always keep a watchful eye back to that beautiful blue ball where all the good stuff is. Mm -hmm. And let's plant our flag there. Let's be a female in science, encouraging kids to stand in their magnificence. And that's pretty much where I planted my flag and thought, well, let's see what we can do now.
1: And what happened in the first one? Do you remember it? Probably like it was yesterday.
3: I totally do because... But I should I should preview this before I got to go ahead to produce my first Janet's planets. Sana had introduced me to the president, or the, I guess at the time the vice president of National Public Television, and they two got it was a man and a woman had just moved down from Boston. And Beth Curley at the time was VP. She went on to be president. Mm-hmm. I made the southern mistake of hugging a Bostonian. Oh boy! Without warning.
1: And they went like this, right?
3: <laughs> and it was—I think she thought, "What is happening?" And Welcome to the South. <laughs> Have some fried pickles
1: and some sweet tea. Like You'll li- love me in five minutes. It
3: was—it was—it was a little awkward, and she was like, "Whoa, that is too much." So I kept asking for a meeting because I had big plans for Janet's Planet. Mm-hmm. So she kept I, just ignoring me, basically. So I finally found out through a friend that she loved. Um, oh. Paul Newman's dark organic chocolate so I went to Whole Foods I bought a ton of chocolate bars I sweet talked the receptionist into letting me in her office and I plied her desk with chocolate bars and said I only need 30 minutes and she called me back and she goes okay anybody who gives me chocolate gets a meeting (laughs) good call and so I pitched it and she was like uh we don't have money for that however if you want to do interstitials I had to go home and look at look up that word. Um, but, you know, and bring back a little bit of earnest money or a little bit of fundraising and we'll, we'll let you do it. So I went out and raised a big whopping $1,500. Oh, Scared right. a half out of my mind, but people actually said yes. I come back and the first three interstitials I produced were on the Parthenon. I made my I bought my jacket. I think at some funky, weird store that was kind of like it looked a little Michael Jackson plasticky. Mm-hmm. And is I, that what um, you
1: were kind of looking for? I mean, did you get the I, I re- was, when you first started? Was it really what you wanted, or was it like, look, I just got to get this on, and then we'll you know.
3: It was always that. It was like, and you know, again, it was like most of that money went to the station mm-hmm. and the people who were going to shoot it and edit it. And so really, it was like, well, I wanted to kind of look like a space suit and red and blue and those primary colors. I put these little letters on it that said JPSA. Mm-hmm. Somebody was going to eventually, hopefully ask me, Janet's Planet Space Academy, you know, that's where. Yeah. So anyway, it was, it was pretty homegrown. And but funny enough, a year later, we'd entered them into uh, the local, uh, the Mid-South uh, Emmy Awards, and we win an Emmy.
1: How about that? Now, you're <laughs> legit.
3: <laughs> well, <clears throat> she connects somehow. We may not get it, but the kids, you know what I mean?
1: Well, at least they were smart enough to understand that.
3: And, and then Beth came and sat with me. She goes, all right, produce some more. And again, when I'm telling you, they, she said, let, let me just open up the library. There were folks who had already done a documentary called Carousel of Time on a lot of Tennessee history makers from Sequoia to Lula Knaff to Ann Dallas Dudley. Uh, and uh, it, read, it was inspired by red grooms like Carousel that I think exists in the Tennessee Museum now. Mm-hmm. And we made seven of them. They were... We, Threw up funny noises and graphics and you know kind of like little thought bubbles. So and you
1: got to make this the way you wanted. Though you were in the booth saying, "No, let's put that there. Let's do this." Yeah, yeah. Okay.
3: and basically just going out and really shooting a stand-up and a close, and then sort of and creating voiceover. So taking this kind of documentary feel and these images and creating it something that a kid could digest.
1: Well, and it's kind of limitless the topic subject matter. Yeah. Really? I mean, have you ever been grasping?
3: <laughs> never, cuz there's always there's always either people that we've never heard that go, you know, a long way unsung in life. Uh, but the dumb luck of it is a year later after those were produced, we went to more regional Emmys. Hmm. And so then, and then you uh you go back in the
1: office. And then what? Beth and
3: Beth <laughs> goes, "Let me give you the Vanderbilt Children's Hospital money." So we spent probably 8, nine, ten years, every year producing 8 to 10, you know, interstitials for them. Uh, the, the opening was me in this rocket ship kind of like swirling around, dropping out of space, and then kind of coming to rest on Earth. So the idea was, you know, I'm from somewhere out there yeah, coming yeah. back home and taking a look Great. here. you're
1: an alien. Wonderful.
3: <laughs> I can <laughs> only hope. Um, and uh, I did get in trouble once when a kid included Janet's planet as part of the solar system. Yes. Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars. That's really Mars.
1: Forget the Emmy. That's huge.
3: <laughs> Janet's <laughs> planet. Uh, Jupiter, Saturn. So it's like. Uh, so apparently, the kid thought I was somewhere in the asteroid belt, which is fine oh, by that's me. <laughs> cute.
1: Well, we're talking with Janet Ivy from Janet's Planet, and also you did another program, which we'll talk about in a little bit. We're coming up on our first break here, and we're going to come back with more of the program. Sumner County Spotlight, brought to you by FNM Bank.
0: Right after these messages, FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlight. FNM Bank, two twenty one Indian Lake Boulevard, Hendersonville. We'll return in a moment. And now back to Sumner County Spotlight, brought to you each Sunday morning exclusively by FNM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard, Hendersonville. For all your banking needs, all in one place, member FDIC.
1: Welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight on this Sunday morning, brought to you by FNM Bank at myfmbank.com and 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. And we're speaking with Janet's Planets, Janet, Ivy. Janet, good morning again.
3: (laughs) Good morning. We're
1: glad you're back. And we were just kind of getting into, you know, those first programs and how that all began and now you're global.
3: You know, it's really <laughs> I look back and again I I wonder if, if I had had the the 5, 10 and 15 year plan. It did happen very organically. I I wouldn't change a thing. You know what I mean? It's like I think there were moments when I I wished it had more of like the half hour, Nickelodeon, Disney kind of thing. But, but maybe then
1: you would be grasping a little, you know, because it a, it's a lot.
3: It's a lot. To, and it, and I recall meeting this lady that had gone to Australia and had produced something out of a theme park thing, and she was $16 million in debt to her investors. Yeah. And she That's looked absolutely a, hard to stressed be, uh, out.
1: Yeah, it's hard to be genuine and fun for kids when you're, Whew. you know, thinking about bank deposits every day
3: but i just had the beautiful good fortune of kind of like uncanny favor so i guess it was about 2008 so we've been doing janet's plan about eight years now a guy comes and his name is steve ivy funny enough no relation but we kind mm-hmm. of figure he's from georgia i'm from tennessee we're bound to be cousins somehow and he goes hey my kids really love janet's Wait a minute. Planet." you're from the
1: asteroid belt let's get it straight <laughs>
3: That's right. And uh, he said, I do music. My kids love Janet's Planet. Why don't we do, you know, a music project? I was like, great. So we could, I'm more lyrics. He's the music. And uh, I said, about halfway through it, I said, but you know what? I do video. So again, homegrown, rub two nickels together, tap dance really hard. Over here is Janet Ivy, and then come back and do Janet's Planet and produce this half-hour little, vid- you know, kind of DVD on uh, – that's how old I am, DVD. Mm -hmm. but um, And about a year later, a friend of mine says, hey, let me take a few copies of that to this International Space Development Conference. Because in my head, Richard Branson would just love this project and would say yes and would fund it. And we had met a guy named Richard Godwin who had worked for Virgin Galactic. So we're going six degrees of separation, not Mm -hmm. bad. Mm -hmm. And my friend goes and hands my simple little dvd out well it lands in the hands of space florida and so i don't hear anything back like we had a few interesting conversations but you know nothing mm-hmm. so in november of 2008 remember that's after the you know the, the financial crisis oh, then yeah. hi there janet this is uh, dr percy looney again i'm thinking he's making that up <laughs> calling from space florida got to be making this up. And we've got a mandate. He's from- like,
1: "I'm sorry, is foghorn leghorn there."
3: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he was like, "We have a mandate from the Stephen Hawking Foundation to take microgravity to Florida classrooms, and we know that our funding is going away to take teachers up into the 0G plane. So we are uh, calling to uh, calling you today. We've been reviewing your DVD and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, you have." <laughs> <laughs> and um, we think you're the perfect person to, uh, would you like to create a DVD, kind of documentary about microgravity, and would you like to fly in the zero-g plane?
1: Actually flying it.
3: Actually flying it. And we all know that it's also called the Vomit Comets. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I took good advice from an astronaut candidate and put on the scopoderm patch for right. seasickness behind my... Who cares?
1: Did. It's worth it. It's one time. It's you one time. It. Well,
3: it was twice, actually, which was amazing, and uh, we... We put together a beautiful... Like, I, I'm really, really pleased with the the end product.
1: So you took everybody with you, is really what you did.
3: Uh, you know, it was really nice. And so even now, I can talk about microgravity. And when I'm talking to kids, and it validates... Like, so, you know, you're in space education. What have you done? And, well, I'm not an astronaut, but I mm-hmm. have flown aboard this. And they're like, wow, that's so super cool. So... From there, I end up meeting Buzz Aldrin, and I know, it's a crazy thing. Buzz Aldrin, it's like with the, uh, came and was here at the Southern Festival of Books. A friend of mine won the Twitter contest to be the first in line to meet him, and she's like, it should totally be you, just get me a book signed. So... I am a little bit of an entrepreneur, so I had a copy of my sweet little DVD in my bag. And as he's talking about his book called Magnificent Desolation, I, he, in it he tells he's actually flown aboard the Zero-G plane five or six times. So, Bingo,
1: as, something in common.
3: Something in common. So I slide the DVD And once you over, get him
1: talking, I think you're in. Um,
3: Oh, you're right. in. Yeah. Well, it's like I, you know, I'm sharing that I did this thing for Space Florida. So you live in Florida, or you're a teacher. No, more of like a science communicator. I live here in Nashville. So he goes, We need more people like you. So he pulls his card out, pushes it over to me, and on it it was like Rocket Hero, astronaut. All the things you wish you could put on your mm-hmm. you know, business card. So I spend the next week, week and a half, drafting what I consider my best letter ever, and just said, if there's ever anything that I can do or help you communicate, I serve at your good pleasure. I didn't go asking for endorsement or money or anything like that. I thought, here's a guy that has been a national hero, done the impossible, and I am just here to support. And again, I halfway thought some of my guy friends were pranking me as I'm driving to teach uh, acting one night. I get a call. Hi, Janet. This is Buzz Aldrin. I'm like, oh.
1: the Buzz Aldrin,
3: uh, as Louise, in
1: walking on the moon. Buzz Aldrin. Yeah. As in yeah. I get and, messages from him all the time.
3: And uh, <laughs> okay. And uh, well, I uh, got your letter. Been perusing your materials. Are you ever in Memphis? Grew up near there. Well, we're, Louise and I are coming down to the blues ball. Why don't we meet up there? Yes, sir bought tickets the next day and he's like i want you to become part of my at that time it was called uh, share science ambassadors now he has the share space organization and over the years when he comes to nashville he's his uh his ghost writer and everything and uh ken abraham um uh Buzz will text me and say, hey, come out and have coffee. Uh-huh. And he's, he's again, what I found in meeting any of these astronauts and space folks is that generally they are engineers and they are wired in a very different way. And when they have someone who cares about what they are doing and can communicate it to children who will ultimately be in be their future workforce and following their footsteps, mm-hmm. um, the door kind of swings wide open. And yeah. so, I've been marvelously blessed and invited to the table. Back in 2015, uh, the chief principal investigator of New Horizons mission that flew by Pluto. Hi, Janet. I've heard you do great things in education. Omg, it's Alan Stern. Mm, like he was great. Named one of Time Magazine's top 100 people, kindest, what kindest person you'd ever meet. All the
1: kids that you've influenced over the years, and and still are. Um, There's sort of that wheelhouse years, like you were talking about, where space is cool to them. I mean, you can get them early, and you never know who may end up, you know, I'm an Indiana boy, so everybody, oh, Neil Armstrong, Purdue University, you know, Wapakoneta, Ohio, you know, the whole deal. And like you were saying, a lot of them are engineers, a lot of introverted, you know, super cerebral. But then you got Buzz. And if anybody's looked at, you know, what I remember uh, learning a lot about the whole moon mission, the whole Apollo thing was, if it wasn't for Buzz, I don't know that they ever would have got those suits right because they couldn't practice in weightlessness until he was an expert diver. Yep. And that, if if you don't think, now here he is, you know, just an astronaut at NASA, that's a big deal, but NASA's a huge organization. And that they listen to somebody who's... Actually, physically, if you want me to try to work on something in space, I can't push against anything because it just pushes you, you know. It's just really interesting that they would listen to somebody like Buzz. And I think he's, you know, second man on, da, da, da. But it was kind of a big deal and that your friends with him is, is pretty neat.
3: No, it's like they're marvelous stories about, you know, all 12 of the guys who walked on the moon. Or Michael Collins, who was the loneliest guy on, on the planet, <laughs> not seeing what's going Why don't on. I hope they make it back. And uh, uh, But... Generally speaking, they did listen because these, these were incredible fighter pilots at the time. They had to have, you know, fighter pilot and test pilot experience. It, it seems
1: to me that the most important thing that they needed to do, including the guys on the ground, was improvise.
3: It's improvise and know how to think logically. And it's like in the whole STEM and STEAM equation, whenever I'm out there doing it, I love doing hands-on kind of experiments with the kids and pushing them. It's like, well, well, how does this work? Yeah, like how does it work? I don't know. (laughs) And what's happened is I've seen kids do fantastic things. So this summer of Apollo 50th, you know, and we'll be going really until 19, I guess, from 1972 to 2022, so into twenty twenty. Two will still be celebrating the 50th anniversary of some Apollo mission. But there's a way that you make a lunar lander with two paper plates, a Dixie cup, a couple of cotton balls, some tape, some straws, and some index cards. So you talk about you can fold the index card like an accordion. It sounds
1: a lot like Apollo 13 to me.
3: Yeah, it, it is a little <laughs> okay, bit of a the square pegging around. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you talk to the kids about. Shock absorption, we don't wanna break the backs. You can't cover the top of the Dixie cup. It has to, has to contain right. the, uh, the astronauts and the cotton balls, but your design is your design. So they can use straws for the lunar limbs. They can use other cotton balls, maybe use more Dixie cups. So here's what's amazing. That's all I really tell them. I don't tell them how. I show them an image, and of, they
1: just go for and it. And
3: they go. And I could show you pictures. Like with it, like the older the kid gets, the more stymied they get by the process. Right. But I, I, was in, I was in Tullahoma, or no, Winchester, Tennessee. That was like basically it. And build. See what you can do. Well, can I do this? As long as my only parameters, you just, the astronauts have to have a way out. You cannot cover that completely. Mm-hmm. This kid took a straw and I was like, why is he cutting it into a thousand pieces over there? And I, in my adult head at that moment, I'm just thinking how much I'm going to have to clean up later, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? That, I had a less than high thought at that moment. I'm um, going, jeepers, kid, really? Yeah. All of a sudden, I saw him taping it together. He's the only kid ever that like built this ladder. That could fold up and then fall down so you then we stand Isn't on that about,
1: incredible
3: I mean it was incredible thinking uh, so that for me is that way of building those such essential material of if this doesn't work what's plan B if this doesn't work right. what's plan yep. C exactly. and I think too often the way schools go or the way that we've begun to create and well, like you manage said, the older education. you
1: get, you just put self-parameters on everything, and you can't help it. You can't help oh, it. know, that's not supposed to work. Well, who cares if it's not, not supposed to work? Try it anyway.
3: And right? and the, And really, anything below fifth or sixth grade, they're wide open. Yeah. But I also think, and I don't know the answer, education definitely needs its parameters and boxes, but sometimes we have started to try to manage the classroom so sternly that it's like kids... We're, we tell them every move to make. We don't allow that free thinking, like Buzz to go, hey, if we just get into you know neutral buoyancy here, we can practice yeah, this, exactly. or blah, blah, blah. So I'm pushing for anything that is hands-on, that makes them critically think, that makes them collaborative partners. And you'll be like, I promise you, there were things we did this summer in space camps that I taught that I would throw it out there. And it would be the seven-year-old that would stump us all, going. Exactly. Are you a Nobel Prize winner? And they'd be like, "Yes, I think I am."
1: So that kind of leads me to sort of all the kids that you've sort of had influence on. How many have you heard from that have gone into the field? Because I'm assuming over the years you've met folk and and maybe you even remember them going, "That one was." crazy smart or weird back then and look at them now they're amazing um has have you ever had that well happen?
3: it's like he, some i think i may never know about because it, i mean when we were really you know we were on anywhere from a third to half of all the pbs stations around the country and everything mm-hmm. now we're probably on about a third of the uh, public television stations but uh it was back in 2015 or sixteen. Uh, at an event at Adventure Science Center called TWISTER, which is a long acronym and I'm probably gonna, Tennessee Women in Science Technology, Engineering and Research or something. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm talking about the women of the New Horizons mission and what it's gonna do. So everybody wants a picture or selfie, they're heading to lunch and there's one little girl kinda hanging in the back and I'm like, these are all senior high school kids. I'm like hi it's lunchtime would you like to she's like no i just want to tell you something that i just had my um, interview with yale last week and i just wanted you to know that i'm going into astrophysics and you were a really big part of an influence of me choosing that field but here's what's amazing about that when she would have been watching janet's planet Generally, the topics were from everything from science, history, health, nutrition, safety. The only thing that was communicating my love of the space was, the was my opening animation of dropping from yeah. the thing and stars and planets. And, and that and my, was enough. Mr. Rogers wrote an, or uh, said to the uh, writer of the book, Sim- The Simple Faith of Mr. Rogers that he learned a long time ago that the space between the speaker and the hearer is holy ground because he would get these postcards or letters from parents thank you so much for saying xyz he would go back to his notes and nowhere in that script or this or the episode they referenced had he said what they had heard yep and so that was my goosebump moment i know i found out during the year of the eclipse back in 2017 that another kid at MTSU talked non- non-stop about how Janet's planet had inspired her to go into astronomy. You
1: never know. I mean, I, it's not. And I, I, my, my old boss mentioned this to me, and I thought, it, and I try to use it all the time. He would say, being in broadcasting, Tony, it's not how it's transmitted; it's how it's received, and that's what matters. How did you not lose it when that little girl? Sell oh. those things. I mean, did you just give me the tissues?
3: <laughs> you know what? I was so, I was so blown away. I'm sure I got teary eyed because just that morning, we had gotten a no from a grant that we had submitted uh, for something that we very much wanted to produce. So the answer was no. And you're coming in and you're like, I really wish I hadn't opened my email before mm-hmm. I came in and did that, that Saturday morning. And that was again that was that priceless mastercard moment yeah i've had other situations throughout the years there's a little kid named amadeus down in houston who stood and in nearly pouring rain to finish his uh spacecraft he was making out of recycled materials a couple of years back some i think my phone battery had died and i asked his mom i said this is a masterpiece. Will you please send me this for all time? Mm-hmm. And funny enough, it's like, most of the time you can say that to people and they won't necessarily follow up. Well, she did send me the picture. And then she asked me, "Was I would I do a birthday party in Houston? I said, oh, I'm heading back to Nashville. And she had called me particularly earlier, uh, early in the day, and it was like 3 a.m. in the morning is when she's texting me and I'm, I'm basically loading out and heading back and driving to Nashville. So I thought if she's up, I'm up, I'm, you know, I'll call her back. So I asked her why she was up so early. She was a veteran, come back from several tours, and said, well, I have some health issues and I'm headed to the VA today. I'm just wanting my son to have a really great birthday. And I was like, you're on, I'll get back to you. So in short order, I got astronaut Don Thomas, four-time space shuttle astronaut. Astronaut Hoot Gibson, who lives here in Middle Tennessee, five-time space shuttle astronaut. General Carl Snyder, who encouraged Buzz to become an astronaut and who Buzz credits uh, General Carl, you should have him on. He lives down in Franklin. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the president at the time of Explore Mars, uh, she called him all the way from the Netherlands. So I had, I, throughout the day on his birthday, wow. I had these a nice great, lineup, great space luminaries calling this kid. And uh, as I hear through the grapevine, he, science and space is still his favorite. Look at you. Thing. you
1: went over the top on that one.
3: It, you know what? When I can, I do. I yeah. feel like that's my call.
1: Oh that's pretty
3: cool. Um there the best story that I can tell you somebody asked me they said you know Janet why kids I don't know. I never had them biologically. Um and so that to me is grace, but also it's like you know when you're standing knee deep in your gladness. I mean Frederick Beekner even has uh, a quote that says God will always call you to the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet, and my deep gladness is standing with these kids watching the light bulbs go off and that for me I know is my call it would and, just be nice
1: if some of us could listen more to that because <laughs> you know it seems easy, but not everybody is open to just accepting that uh, and
3: and sometimes it's like you know the the the, the the good that the good that you feel is awesome, and sometimes you're like, and because earlier this year we drove to Modesto, California, had sold out shows, did great solar system things, and I'm pretty sure the gas tank made more money than I did.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you took one of those RVs, huh? Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but the best story I ever heard that I try to relate back to what I do is that there was a Time magazine photographer who was in Rwanda. I guess, cataloging that huge genocide. And so he's taking pictures and he raises his camera up and he realizes, he's like, oh, my eyes are bleary after this full day. I think I see movement because they basically triaged Mm -hmm. like who could be treated, who was really critical and those that had seemingly perished. And he puts his camera back up to his eyes again and nope, through the lens, he sees the slightest of movements. Takes him a few hours to convince, I think, that person right there is still right. still breathing. So they pull the gentleman from the carnage, and they offer him a full cup of water. And the guy can't drink the full cup. But drop by drop by drop over the course of three days, then the guy could finally drink a full cup of water. Mm-hmm. And the takeaway for the photographer was, I'm never responsible for the full glass but I am responsible for my one drop. Hmm. And that is where I can go, I, I can drop in, you might see me on public television, I might come to your school, I might be at a library doing a hands-on activity, you might come to a camp I'm teaching. Our paths may never cross, but when they do cross, it is my utmost uh, responsibility to give you my one drop. Yeah. And to make you feel like you're just amazing. So Friday, uh, Saturday night, I'm at the U.S. Space and Rocket Center for International Observe the Moon Night and there are multiple kids who come, and over the years, I can recognize when they're kids with ASD or somewhere on the <laughs> spectrum, and <laughs> they're actually my most favorite because they are really they're my people, and I love yeah. them, and they tell me this stuff. So this one nine-year-old is totally like built. We're making lunar habitats out of toothpicks and mini marshmallows using geometry, and he's like, "Well, this is a rhombus. This is a parallelogram." <laughs> I was like, "You know your geometry, man. Are you so, are you a genius?" So that's what I do. Always speak the most positive yeah. of prophecies, and. Um, so he's building this thing that's like starting to look like this really great 3D modular. He's understanding that a triangle is the strongest structure. I'm like, I am just blown away by you. And he goes, hey. He goes, you're a really nice lady. <laughs> 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 and as, we, as I was packing up and everything and driving home, I thought, if that's what a kid can walk away. That's
1: right. Hey, Matt, hey. you're a really nice lady. <laughs> Well, we're we're at the end of our program, and um, clearly, just being from around here in Sumner County, you're a blessing to a lot. Of, I mean, there's people at the radio saying, oh, my God, she's here. <laughs> you know, Give me a selfie before I leave, um, which is great. And now that you've been able to expand that, you've got a pretty large horizon yourself, and uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us.
3: Well, if anybody out there in Sumner County would like to have me at their school or their library... Give me an old call or email me at Janet at JanetsPlanet.com. We'd be happy to serve.
1: All right. Thanks, Janet. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. Janet Ivy. Janet's Planets, right here on uh, Sumner County's new uh, radio station, WHIN. And that's going to do it for Sumner County Spotlight for this week. We appreciate both of our guests, and uh, we appreciate our sponsor, f Bank, who uh, has a location at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville, and also at myfmbank.com, and we will talk to you next week.
0: Sumner County Spotlight has been brought to you exclusively by FNM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville, Bill. Whether you need personal banking, banking for your business, or even home mortgages, FNM Bank can provide you with excellent service right here in Sumner County. Visit them today at myfmbank.com. Sumner County Spotlight will return next Sunday at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening.